As you hear these lyrics, I pray you are blessed in the house. It's a simple song. It says, with my hands, I build a house. With my heart, I let him in. With my hands, I build a house. With my heart, I let him in. With my prayers, I build a house. Oh, with my worship. My worship, I let him in. Cause when I lift my hands, I see nothing can intimidate you or me. When the sun sets free, it's free. Send you already. If so, stand to your feet. 
is Pastor Leary again with the Lighthouse Church of Coppers Cove. I want to welcome everybody back. I do want to thank God and give him honor for goodness and mercy. And I give honor to Jesus Christ today and to the Holy Spirit. I want to thank everybody for joining us uh, this Sunday morning, March 22nd, 2020, as we continue to exercise our social distancing uh, by having our services and Bible studies uh, over social media. And I pray that today will be a blessing to all of you who join in uh, with us. Uh, but I want to start today with a scripture. If you would turn with me uh, to the book of Luke, uh, the fourth chapter and the 18th verse. And the word of God says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, 
to set at liberty them that are bruised. Now, for those of you who have been following us and attending us in service, uh, we have been talking about our broken hearts. And you could be saved, full of the Holy Ghost, heaven-bound, and still have a broken heart. Uh, But the Lord wants to heal that broken heart today. And he's been giving us uh, scriptures to show us where we need to allow him to come in and to work with us in this matter because it's a very serious matter. Now, the heart is in regards to the center of a person's thoughts and emotions, especially to love or compassion. And to be brokenhearted is to be overwhelmed with sadness to be overwhelmed by grief or disappointment, or it may include those who are deeply distressed and in trouble of any kind, or those who have experienced disappointment uh, or suffers emotionally after having put their heart and soul into a matter. As a church, we, or at least me as a pastor, consistently encourages everyone to trust in the Lord for everything. That includes salvation. And when I say salvation, I'm talking about deliverance from the power of sin and eternal damnation, which according to God's way is only possible by having faith in Christ Jesus. It also talks about trusting in God for our health, our well-being, making life-changing decisions, protection from all hurt, harm, and danger, deliverance out of all trouble. We trust in him to supply our every need, to give us the desires of our heart, and so on. And we do this most successfully by building faith in what seems to be impossible or giving hope to seemingly hopeless situations. Though through the preaching of God's word and providing witness by our own testimonies. The Bible tells us that uh, we should love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. For this is the first commandment. We may even tell you that in Psalms 62 and 8, To trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. And then we encourage you again with Psalms 28 and 7, where it says that the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. And we build up your faith by saying what it says in Romans 10 and 17, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we even encourage you by telling you that uh, there is nothing too hard for the Lord. And over in Revelations 12 and 10, we, we encourage your heart by telling you that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Encouraging the saints to testify about what God has done for them, how he has delivered them and brought them out. And I oftentimes tell 
you that the Lord has done great things for me. He's turned my life around, truly, 180 degrees. And if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I wouldn't be here today. Now, I really believe that. And that really shows me that God is who he says he is. So when we finally came to the revelation that the only way that the needed change would come was by God's intervention. We stepped aside, which is to say we humbled ourselves and allowed the Lord to work a work by his spirit. You know what he did? He came in and he saved us. He healed us. He made a way for us. He led us. He kept us from all hurt, harm, and danger. He delivered us out of all the trouble. He supplied all of our needs according to his riches and glory. He gave us the desires of his heart and so on. The Lord really moved for us. But then cometh the devil. Now in the parable of the sower, it refers to the sowing sowing seed. And it goes on to explain that the seed is the word of God. Now the word is very clear that as you hear the word of God, you will receive opposition from the devil because the devil knows that the word of God is power. Those by the wayside, it says in Luke 8 and 12, are they that heard. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. And he also goes on in John 10 and 10 and tells us that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Now we know that the work of the devil is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And he's very good at what it is that he does. Over in the book of Job, I want to look at him and his account. Job really trusted in the Lord, and the Lord had great confidence in Job. But in Job 1 and 6, we see that there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth? a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. 
put forth thy hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is, thy, is in thy power, only upon himself put forth not thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And we know the spirit, the, the experience that Job experienced. We've read the story. We read the Bible. But when Satan asked God to put forth his hand, what he was doing was suggesting that God would um, remove his hand actually from protecting uh, Job. And what he wanted God to do was to withdraw his hand from his protection so that he could destroy his Job property. And so that he could kill Job's family. And so that he could call havoc and calamity in Job's life. And with the magnitude of calamity that Job suffered, come on, he lost his sons and daughters, his property, his health, his friends turned on him. His wife even suggested that he curse God. But the objective here was that Job cast away his faith. And if we look at it, and that's what Satan desires to do to us when he comes in as the Lord continues to bless us, is to cause us to cast away our faith. But we see down here in the second chapter of Job, uh, Job's wife, he, he, he she, she has a... I'm sure she has somewhat of a, 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 an impression on Job. It says, Then said his wife unto him, after all he has suffered, Dost thou still may retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speakest. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. So despite all that Job had gone through, all the pressure that Job was under, no doubt, through the calamity, he was distraught. But one thing Job did, he trusted in God. And one thing I encourage everybody to do today, despite what's going on in your life, and I'm, I know it may sound somewhat of a cliche, but hold on to God. A lot of things may come and a lot of things may go. You may have had great success and that success seems to be dashed uh, down to the ground, but through it all, hold on to God. The Lord is rich in mercy, and he knows how to deliver. Job, as we read through the scriptures, down in chapter 42 and verse 10, it says that the Lord turned the captivity of Job. And when he prayed for his friends, also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. The enemy is just not breaking your hearts to send you into a state of depression. 
or cause you to be bitter or uncompassionate person. He does it to steal your salvation and to destroy your faith in God. First Peter tells us that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold and silver, perisheth. Though it be tried with fire, it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now when we refer to gold being tried by fire, it says that fire only separates all the foreign and impure materials from gold. It loses nothing of its nature, its weight, color, or any other property. Gold has been kept in a state of fusion for months without the smallest change. Likewise, genuine faith also will be proved by trials. So saints, as we conclude, you may be tried by fire and your hearts may be broken. But if you retain your faith and let it be that of a sincere and unfeigned faith. The Lord, he will see you through. Now I want to pray today and I want to make sure that um, the church continues to pray. We're going through a trying time, uh, not just in our nation, but globally concerning this pandemic. And I think it prudent for us to to reach out to God and pray for our leaders as the Bible encourages us to do so. But I also want to make sure that we as the saints are kept and that we as the saints continue to be prayerful in all that we do. So if you wouldn't mind, let's look into the Lord today. Father, I come in the name of Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you for your goodness and mercy, for you are merciful towards us. And Lord, I ask that you would just wash us and cleanse us one more time, even as you are merciful. And Lord, have mercy on us according to your loving kindness and according to the multitudes of your tender mercies, blot out all of our transgressions. I'm asking, Lord, that you would strengthen us with might by your spirit in our inner man. And Lord, help us that our faith would not fail. And I'm asking, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, that you would keep our hearts from being troubled, even in a troubling time such as this. And Lord, soften our hearts if they by chance have been allowed to become hardened through that which we have suffered and experienced. And finally, Lord, but not least, I'm praying for the nation's leadership. For you told us that we should pray for them. And we, Lord, want you to give them a mind to make sound decisions and lead them and guide them in all matters which concern your people, that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life with all godliness and honesty. And Father, if you do these things, we'll give you all of the glory and we'll give you all of the honor and we'll give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. And again, we want to thank you for joining us um, for this 
study this morning. And we ask you to be encouraged and be of good cheer as we continue to grow in the Lord. May God bless you and may heaven smile upon you. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. Let everybody say amen.
This place. 